Hey, my name is Connor Malley, and I'm the founder of SQR Squash Radio. And it turns out I'm a squashpreneur. What does that mean? Basically, an entrepreneur, but in the squash industry. I founded Metro Squash in Chicago. I've been a teaching professional, tried out for Team USA, came nowhere close to making the team. But years later, I did find myself on the business side as director of Team USA. I've ran the US Open while working at US Squash for several years, done consulting for squash clubs and events, even court construction. The list goes on. These days, I'm still deeply involved in squash, especially with my new role with the PSA, the Pro Squash Tour, but trying to expand into other racket sports in lighting, court construction, and strategy. There's some exciting projects I'm working on, and I can't wait to share them. But in the meantime, we hope you're enjoying these squash-focused podcasts our team is helping to put out. We love doing them, and we hope you enjoy them too. What about this? This call is being recorded. Hey, squash fans, it's that time of the year again, and one of the favorite time for many squash players around the world, where the community takes time to highlight women's squash. This is a week-long event, multi-state and multi-country celebration. So we wanted to connect you with someone who has been at the forefront of driving women's squash initiatives for the past 15 years. And that's Kim Clerken, Senior Vice President at U.S. Squash and Co-Chair of the Women's Committee. We go into the quick background of how this Women's Squash Week got started, as well as giving you a snapshot of Women's Squash in the United States. And of course, we talk about the How Cup, which is one of the most beloved squash events in the country. If you want to find out ways of how you can get involved, it's not too late. Just go to usquash.org to learn on how to sign up and get involved. A quick thank you to our sponsor, Pro Sport LED, your trusted lighting source for racket sports facilities like squash, tennis, pickleball, or padel. Because of its advanced LED lighting technology, these lights are a perfect solution for anyone building a new facility, but they can easily be retrofitted into existing courts. If you're looking for lights or know anyone that is, please go ahead and connect us at squashradio at gmail.com. That's squashradio at gmail.com. Thanks again for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed the show. Hey, Squash fans, welcome back. This is kind of a special episode because we wanted to take a moment to appreciate Women's Squash Week that is going on this week, September 19th to 26th. And we couldn't think of a better guest to have on here who's been at the forefront of women's squash for the past 10, 15 years in the United States. And that is Kim Clerken, who is Senior Vice President of Programs and Events at U.S. Squash. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Connor. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Me too. And actually, just as a point of clarification, it is Dr. Kim Clerken, which is where I want to start on because you've had a plethora of interesting roles over your career. And I want to dive into a little bit of your background of um, how you got your PhD, all the different careers that you've had to date. So like, take us through it. I think some people do know that I have a PhD. I got that at Oxford. I got it in physics which always is a massive surprise to people. Um, I'm a bit of a nerd. I do like my maths, I have to say. So I love the data analysis I have to do right now. Um, Definitely appeals to me. But I always played sport as well at school. I think in England at the time I was growing up, no one would ever play, um, but choose to play professional sport really. So I had to go into an academic career, hence my Oxford degree and PhD. 
And then once I finished that, I wanted to do geophysics, but I ended up in IT. It was at uh, the time when uh, Microsoft and Apple and graphical user interfaces were just starting. I really remember the secretary had an Apple Mac and we were just looking at it and how you could drag things to the waste paper basket. And we were so like intrigued by that. We thought that was so exciting. And look how far we've come. So that, I guess that ages me. So, <laughs> so, anyway, I was in, so I went into IT. I did a lot of project management um, as well within IT and IT uh, strategy as well. I actually worked at some police forces in England. I do remember one time and I was glad it was actually raining because they were going to prank me. I had a white Rover. And for those of you who are English know that Rovers were the cars that they, the police used. So the police who I was working with, they were going to put all the lights and the, the, the stripes on it. So that when I came down after work, I would be like, oh, my God, what's happened to my car? I've now got a police car. But it was raining, so they didn't do it. But I had a lot of fun in IT strategy. Well, when did you transition into squash as your career? So that's an interesting one. So I had, I had children. I think many of you know I have two girls. They're now aged uh, 25 and 23. But when they were about three years old, one of them was three years old, I do remember taking them to a swimming lesson at the local leisure center. And outside it said squash coach required, said level two squash coach required. And I played squash, just a club player. And I just thought, well, maybe I could do that because then I could look after my kids and they go to school and I could do something while they were at school. So I went to the England squash website. I got myself on some courses and did my level one and I did my level two, went back to that leisure center and said, I want that job. And they gave it to me. So there I was, um, completely green as a coach, just trying to figure out how to get squash going. Uh, that was in Bracknell Leisure Centre. And I ended up also doing junior squash at the other clubs in the area. So I got into squash coaching when my kids were young. But then I remember my husband came home one day and he said, uh, how do you fancy going to California? So like, okay, let's go. Um, why not? You, you know, you get opportunities in your life to do different things. So let's, let's go to California. And off we went in December 26, 2004, we ended up in the Bay Area in San Jose. And, you know, I don't know anybody um, in California except my husband and my kids. And so I found the nearest squash club, which was the Decathlon Club, now called uh, the Bay Club Santa Clara, and spoke to the pro there, said I could coach. Also spoke to the pro at Bay Club Redwood Shores, and I ended up starting coaching at the Bay Club. And that's, that's kind of where I got started. At that time, though, it was really just a bit of a you know, what do I do while my kids are at school? Um, I, I did get divorced, which was quite sad. But uh, at the same time, I think if I, if I hadn't, I wouldn't be where I am today, which I'm really glad where I am today. So I had to make the decision at that time. What did I want to do? Did I want to try to make squash a career or did I want to go back to IT? So obviously my decision is quite clear right now. Um, but what is so interesting is what I do now is that I can bring all of that experience to bear in the role that I do now. So the IT the strategy of the process stuff that I learned. I even did quality management. So all of that, plus all the experience of coaching, is really useful in what I do now. Well, and, and like I said, you've been one of the core drivers of the Women's Squash Initiatives. And this was uh, Women's Squash Week. Its genesis was started back in 2008 with uh, right. New York Squash and uh, Jessica Green and Emily Steiff really helping right. to pull this together. But give us a little bit of snapshot of like how... This has really turned, um, it feels very organic in its growth and that it encompasses people that could really participate anywhere. So right. talk a little bit about what, how you guys did that and what is it, how people can celebrate Women's Squash Week? Right. I think, um, you know, if you want something done, you give it to some women and we'll get together and we'll collaborate and we'll, we'll make it work. 
And I think that's what you can see with Women's Squash Week is, you know, it started in New York. There are some leaders around the country got together. Um, and I guess I included myself. I was in California at the time. And we, we discussed like, well, what can we do next? How can we get this around the country? It would be great if we could have something in every city. So along with um, AJ and Jen, who are the women's chair of the women's committee, we started to engage more people around the country and, and also talked about what kind of events could we do that would engage women. Women like to have fun. They like to play hard. They like to be, they like to get kind of hot and sweaty and, and burn some calories. So you don't have to play a tournament, but you can do whether it's a round robin or you, you just want to do some kind of match play and then get together afterwards for a, a drink or some gossip. That's what women like to do. And it does grow organically So, because women talk to each other and then talk to their friends who talk to other people. So we did manage to get it growing um, in this country. I, mean, I think we had up to 50 hosts a couple of years ago. And what was quite interesting then is England Squash looked at the idea and they said, can we be part of this? And so England Squash, they're also very good with the marketing and have helped us with that. They also have the Women's Squash Week this, this year. And just this morning, I was looking in the, uh, Brazil. I saw, a, it's actually Portuguese, I guess. It's in Brazil. So Brazil have a Women's Squash Week. The WSF have also been promoting it. So now it's not just a US Women's Squash Week. It's a global Women's Squash Week, which is, you know, it's fantastic. It's a great way to just try and get some women on court. It really doesn't matter how well you play. It doesn't matter whether you're a beginner or you're, um, you know, world number one. Anybody can participate in Women's Squash Week. Yeah, I mean, the, the themes... I'm looking on the usquash.org on the women's page with the themes. I love it. It's empowering, sociable, fun, inclusive, and a lifelong sport, right. which I think really just encapsulates a lot of what people who've experienced squash for a while, you know, th those really ring true. Yeah, exactly. That's how I got started in this country. You know, I knew nobody, and I now have, I now feel I can go anywhere in, in the country and find somebody who I could play with or who would help me out. And that's through squash. So, you know, my best friend in this country, I met when I first, first came um, at the Pacific Athletic Club, as it was, uh, and we, you know, we're very, very friendly now, and uh, I wouldn't have done that without squash. And just to quickly give people an orientation on, you know, this is going on for one week, but when we, we move past it, there's actually a lot of activity that goes on, women and junior women participate. So let's give a snapshot of what that participation looks like. And we were talking just a little bit before about sort of the percentage of participation at the juniors and college and adult levels. And there's a clear trajectory there that uh, I'm sure spells a little concerning where we do need to put more effort behind the retention of adult women playing. But let's talk through and give that snapshot. So at the junior college and adult women, what's what's the percentage breakdown? So at the, at the junior level, we have about 60% of the ranked players are boys, about 40% are girls. We, we do see the girls drop off after the under 17, particularly, um, more so than we would like. For, for college squash, we see that the percentages are around about 65% um, for, for men and 35% for women. And we obviously, David Pullman at the College Squash Association is working hard on getting more women's teams. Um, Georgetown just went varsity, so that's great. Um, and I think that there are others along the way, so that'd be, that'd be good to see that growth. When we look at the, the adult women to men, that, that's not a great percentage. You know, 80% of our adult membership are men and 20% are women. So something happens between um, college and just general adult play. And I think part of that can be attributed to, to a number of things. One is that 
uh, women tend to have families and then they tend to give over their life to their families. And so there'll be a drop off at that point. I think related to the family aspect is that women will spend money on their family or spend money on their boyfriends or their partners and they're less likely to to spend money for their own passions and pastimes. And uh, everything comes with a cost. And so they might be less likely to join a club or to join that program than a man might be. Also, when you think about the programs that are on offer, there tends to be a lot of competition involved in it. It tends to be a lot of tournaments. And I don't know that uh, putting tournaments is the right program for women. I think there's more... If it's going to be a team tournament, it should be a team tournament. But I do think just general round robins and, and match play sessions, a couple of hours in the afternoon is a kind of program that would appeal more to women so they can come, they can get their workout, and then they can go back to their family and concentrate on them for the rest of the weekend. Yeah, I think that makes complete sense in terms of um, why we see that participation drop off. And one of the initiatives I know US Squash is very focused on is is access, which includes affordability as well as like locations and proximity to courts. So uh, hopefully when we see more affordability come in, some of these clubs are very expensive. So it's not just when you're looking at $30 per month for yoga or like $300 for squash, that makes sense in terms of reconciling why that's a, a real issue for people as we increase access. But I think the other point that you just touched on there, and I was interviewing Aiden Harrison the other day, who it just really rung through um, his whole programming design is basically make it fun. Right. And, you know, simple things we've heard of cardio tennis. Well, let's push more cardio squash, right? Like, let's get the fun of hitting balls, not just about the competitive indexing of your handicap, like, and improving that. So I think there's, there's right that we need at the club level to try and bring those people through. And I think I understand why there's sometimes a, a distinction of like a lot of coaches make their money off of giving lessons and that becomes your focus versus how do I grow the overall programming health? And it's a huge challenge for the sport. It, it is. Um, but if you bring people in, then you, you get more membership too. So uh, it depends on the revenue model of your club. But I do think that having a, a better variety of programming that appeals to the different types of people, not Everyone is competitive. I happen to be competitive. I like to win. I'm going to play in that tournament and try and do my best to win. But at the same time, you know, I, I hate to say it, but I'm playing tennis at the moment and I'm really enjoying just doing um, sessions called point play, which just you just hit a lot of balls. And, uh, and that's good enough for me at the moment. And let's have some more sessions like that on, in the squash world too. I think some programs do that very well, but let's not just focus on competition. Let's have some other types of programming appeal to the members well along those lines one of the most successful events in the world is really the women's adult how cup event so it's yes. a women's team event i know the name <laughs> it's confusing <laughs> to everyone right. having how cup both for the college players as well as the adult players so yes. you know t- you've been at the the forefront of that too so talk about a little bit what that event is like now that that event is amazing i have to say i think my first event was a 2007 it might have been 2008 but it was in Boston I had never been to How Cup I didn't know what I was walking into and that Saturday night party it was uh, an experience um, but it was fantastic to see so many women in the same room and all like loving their squash and all different levels and there's a story from the last time in Seattle when we had it out there two years ago and this, this lady came off court and uh, she was like oh my god that was amazing I had it was such a great match had such a good time I'm like how did you win she's like no I lost and but that kind of encapsulates that spirit of that competition like it doesn't matter 
people we're there we compete we do our best but at the same time you have perspective and you have fun uh, and you do your best and you, you meet all these different women from all these different parts of the country and walks of life and um, everyone's having some fun uh, it's it's absolutely amazing for anyone that's not familiar with this format so it's a it's a team event broken into as kim said into different levels so a b c d and then it's a um, five-person team yes. typically you're representing it's geography so like a city but there's also other formations that occur what but there are kind of hybrid teams so we we try to make the teams around a city or a region that's where the hell cup came from at its inception but sometimes there are people who want to play who are from an area that don't have five players at that level. So you might have one a, a person who's who wants to play. Like we don't want to exclude people, and so they they will reach out to the organisers and say, "Hey, you know, do you have a team for me?" So we call them orphans. So we have a bunch of orphans, and we want to find a family for them. And then there might be a team that, that say it has has four people, and they're looking for one. And so in the end, we'll form these hybrid teams to make sure I'm trying to include everybody who wants to play. I think the, the biggest one we had a couple of years ago was 55 teams, which that, that was in Philadelphia. Uh, we had 32 teams in Seattle, which is the most that we've ever had out, outside of the East Coast. So I'm looking to blow that out this year. Having had a year off, hopefully people will start to get engaged through Women's Squash Week. Let's start getting back on court um, and let's get in some interest in how Cup and, and let's have a fantastic event and party in Philadelphia at the new center in November. Yeah, that's exciting. It's always um, so that's close to 300 women that participated on yeah. average in the past. Uh, it's moved around the country. But like you said, this will be the first year hosted at the center with the most amount of courts. While we're on it briefly, I'm sure people have heard about it. But because it's a, a huge news within the squash world, talk a little bit about the Spectre Center. Yeah, the Spectre Center um, is now the, the home of US squash. We have 20 squash courts, 18 singles, two doubles. We also have softball doubles as well and I guess I started officing out of there in April and um, when you first go in you definitely it's, it's amazing it's this amazing wow moment and I feel so lucky now to work there and it becomes an expectation now to just walk into this amazing facility so definitely really looking forward to hosting all these events there this year I think having everybody in one space just adds to that atmosphere so sometimes we've had to be over more than one club and, and that, that's kind of unfortunate. You can't see everybody, but now we're going to be able to have everybody in the same building. you got your, your D-level, your beginners who are watching your A-level and uh, it's just going to be one big party. By the way, ladies, the sound system's great, so don't worry about that party on Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of access earlier and it being a focus point of U.S. squash, this is rubber hitting road with the Spectre Center for U.S. squash of trying to lead a model of where access and affordability is there. So anyone around the country can get a membership here. What are the different levels for the Spectre Center? Yeah, we do. We, the, the Spectre Center is, is open to all wherever you are and uh, whatever your financial situation as well. It's a community center. It's meant for everybody who lives in the area. So there are different levels of membership. Ranging from 115, which is our highest level of membership, but um, the, the good news, I think, is that we will do sponsored memberships as well for those people who want to play but may not be able to financially afford it at the moment. So uh, the idea is to be inclusive. If you want to play, you can come in. And there are different times of day when you can play. There's, there's different um, limits on, on the age or on how many times you can play a week. There's uh, student memberships, there's non-resident memberships as well. So... Uh, and a corporate membership but if you're interested in playing at the center come in and talk to us 
and we'll figure out what's right for you. But to have this open to all is really key. Well, Kim, thanks for jumping on and and really helping put a a spotlight on Women's Squash Week. And um, out of curiosity, how are you going to be personally, because I know you're you're driving a lot of this programming nationally, but how are you personally going to be engaging with Women's Squash Week this week? Well, I'm going to be um, joining the sessions at the at the Spectre Center. Um, we're welcoming a number of people from the community to that session, and I'm looking forward to getting on court again. It's been a while since I've done that, but there are many other act- uh, sessions across the country. So if people can go to the website, they can look at where the sessions are and they can join that. Um, and it's not too late either. If you think you want to get a group of women together to have a session, please do so. It's never too late to put those sessions on the calendar and. I'm looking forward to seeing all the posts on social media from the women throughout the country, whether you're in Sacramento or San Francisco or Chicago or up in Boston or down in D.C. Please put those posts out there and let's show the world that the women's squash is back and active in this country. Yeah, as you said, if you go to women's, sorry, if you go to uh, usquash.org slash women, you will find a plethora of information or uh, under play and under women, you'll find it. But this is one week out of 52. And what other kind of ways can we help support women's squash in the U.S.? We have a number of opportunities for people to help out. Um, we, we have a women's squash fund, which people can donate to. And we, we have a grant program for that, where pros or volunteers around the country can ask for support for their programs. We also are starting a women and girls initiative, which you should look out for as a, a new initiative from US Squash, where we want to look at women's squash in particular and try to create more women's coaches. You know, you have to see it to be it. There aren't enough women's coaches out there. And I think that women learning from women is probably better in many ways than men, women uh, learning from men. Women and girls learn slightly differently. And uh, so we're definitely focused on that aspect. Also looking at the attrition and why, why do girls stop playing sport or stop playing squash? And what can we do and what programs can we put in place to stop that happening and to help women continue to play throughout their life? It's, it is a lifelong sport. I have so many lifelong friends from squash. Um, I'm so happy that I happened upon it when I was at Oxford. I, and I never look back from that. So other, other ways you can support, just be a volunteer, be a leader in your community. If you need help and you need um, ideas or programs that you can run, please reach out to us at US Squash. We have some uh, templates for you to use and some best practices and we can help you with those programming options. Great. Well, thanks for jumping on, Kim, and uh, look forward to seeing you in person soon. Yes, indeed, Connor. US Open. Well, thank you so much for your time today and for joining us on Squash Radio. We hope you enjoyed this latest episode. But before you leave, we just have one quick last message. As you know, Squash Radio wants to help tell some of the best stories from Squash World. But in order to do that, we want and welcome your help. Do you know a person or a story that involves squash that is interesting, funny, moved you, you care about, reflects your passion for the sport? Well, share it with us and let's try and get it out there on the air. You can email me at squashradio at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media. Again, thanks for your time and well, until next time, be well and have fun.